helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Just as your lower leg jumps in reaction to a thump on the right tendon, uh, people tend to react in a certain way to specific stimulus. For example, any mass shooting leads reflexively to a call for gun control, whether or not the proposed laws would have made any difference. Just as reflexively, whenever there is violence in Israel, there are those who will jump to attack the Israeli people, even if it means defending atrocities against them. These are emotional reactions, generally based on a person's prejudices. That is why, here at the Constitution Study, we generally don't respond to the initial story, but give ourselves time to attempt to get to the truth from the horse's mouth. Whether the Hamas attacks or the main shooting, we should all take a breath, look for evidence of the truth, then try to make a rational decision on how to move forward. This is just as true for those who are opposing the reflective reactions as those who are committing them. Before we start pointing the finger, we should make sure we're standing on solid ground. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. And I'm so glad you could join me today. You know, this has been a difficult time. Uh, you know, first with the... Uh, the uh, attack on Israel a few weeks ago, and and now we've got a, a terrible mass murder in in Maine. But I think it's time we st- kind of all just kind of take a breath, maybe tamp our emotions down a little bit, and start looking at some facts and uh, see what we can learn from this. Maybe more importantly, see how we should move forward to make things better rather than just uh, continuing to stir the pot. So let's start by listening to the words of uh, um, Vice President Kamala Harris. This is at a, a, I believe it was a press conference um, she was doing, I think she was in Australia. Uh, but listen to her words. Once again, routine gatherings, this time at a bowling alley and a restaurant, have been turned into scenes of horrific carnage. Doug and I mourn for those who were killed. We pray for those who were injured and grieve with so many whose lives are forever changed and impacted by what happened. The Biden-Harris administration will continue to provide full support to local authorities. And as we gather details, we must continue to speak truth about the moment we are in. Okay, so far, so good. You know, we're sorry, we feel bad. I don't know who this Doug is. I'm assuming he's an Australian official. But, you know, this kind of boilerplate stuff. But notice how she ended up. We must gather details. We must use the truth to decide how we go forward. But then listen. In our country today, the leading cause of death of American children is gun violence. You notice how right after saying we have to call for the truth, she speaks a, a lie. So I went looking. Now I, I looked at the CDC data um, from age one to twenty-four. Do you know what the number one cause of death is? Unintentional injury. If you go, you know, the ten. I'm sorry, ten to twenty-four. Number two is suicide. 
Um, we get to homicide in place number three, but that's only for one to four year olds and 15 to 24 year olds. But they just say unintentional. They don't break things down. So I did a little more searching. And I found this report from the New England Journal of Medicine. And it looked, uh, it, it, it went a little more granular into this. Um, do you know what the number one cause of death? And this was for, um, I'm sorry, this is, well, this is only for 2016. It's the latest one I could find. The number one cause of death, well, it was injury-related injury related causes. Uh, 60% of deaths in this age range for child children and adolescents was, was those. But we looked. Um, Firearm-related injuries. Okay, that's what we're looking for. 15.4%. That's uh, a little over 3,000 uh, firearm-related injuries. That includes homicide, suicide, unintentional shootings, and undetermined intent. And those are 3,000 more than I'd like to see. But motor vehicle crashes relate, uh, was 4,000 or 20%. And of course, going back to the to the CDC, you know, the CDC has been caught in the past, um, we'll say, falsely inflating uh, gu gun deaths and, and and things like this. Is why the the Congress passed a law saying you can't do gun research anymore because you've been seen to be so fraudulent in it. But the interesting question is, she refers to gun death. Gun is the method of death, not the reason of death. I should say it's the method of causing death not the reason behind it there's a there's there's a difference between somebody who um accidentally fires a, a firearm and injures somebody or somebody who intentionally shoots themselves or others but again she's going to base on this well you know gun deaths are the number one cause of death among children uh, that data is debatable at best because the only report that i that showed that uh, gun deaths had risen above other forms other accidents didn't give the basis for the data they didn't tell you where they got that data so how do you know the data is any good but miss harris goes on gun violence has terrorized and traumatized so many of our communities in this country and let us be clear it does not have to be this way as our friends in Australia have demonstrated. Well, gee, that's very interesting because uh, uh, according to some research, again, this by the Gun Policy uh, uh, Organization, in 2020, uh, there were more guns in private hands than at any time in, since 1975, which is as far back as their data goes. Over 3.7 million guns in private hands. But she also ignores a, a very important fact. You see, Maine has some of the loosest gun control laws in the nation, in the country, but it's also got one of the lowest violent crime rates of the nation. So if they've got the loosest gun control regulations and the lowest crime rates, why, why would we want to increase gun control? Is there a correlation there? I'm not saying there's a causation. I know there are others that will, but there's at least a correlation there. Which makes me wonder, since before the dust has settled, before they, they had all the details, you've already got calls for m more gun control based on the prejudice that gun control leads to um, fewer, more, less gun violence. But the, the facts just don't support that data because 
the cities with the strictest gun control also tend to have the highest gun violence rates. Now, which is which came first, right? The chicken or the egg? The the restrictive laws or the uh, gun violence? That's a debatable question. But even if you say, well, the 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 restrictive laws were in response to the gun violence, then they haven't done a very good job, have they? Now listen, the shooting, the murder in Maine was terrible. What, 16 people dead? Um, but before we go blaming the weapon of choice, before we go punishing the people who committed no crime with these guns, maybe we ought to get some facts and data. But that seems to be the last thing we, many of these, again, it's a reflexive reaction. The only response to a shooting is more gun control. Now, here's another interesting reflexive reaction. They immediately go for the AR-15. Apparently, this gentleman used an AR-15 to kill people. So it's got to be the AR-15. Except for one tiny little point. There are plenty of guns that are not an AR-15 that shoot the same size round or similar size rounds that can use just as many rounds, just as fast. It could have been just as deadly. So if you, you know, it's kind of like was a squeezing a balloon, right? You may squeeze the AR-15, it's just going to pop out somewhere else. And of course, it took no time at all for gun grabbers across the country to, to jump in. Gavin Newsom tweeted that, um, oh, you know, uh, the Rep last year, Republicans rejected a bill that would require a waiting period. Tell me what other right you have that you have to wait 72 hours to participate. And here's a question. Did this gentleman buy his rifle more than 72 hours ago? So, you know, it's like they're making assumptions, they're making decisions without any actual facts. Now, he points out that Maine does not uh, ban assault weapons. Again, the whole purpose of the Second Amendment is for people to be able to defend themselves with the best weapons possible. It, it, what they term is, first of all, assault weapons are a made-up scare term. The military has what they call assault rifles. Um, but an assault weapon, every assault, every weapon is an assault weapon when used to assault somebody. Uh, they don't require a permit to carry a gun in public, along with 26, I believe, other states. Why? Because I have a we have a constitutional right to carry guns to protect ourselves. And they go, he goes on and on. So he's just talking nonsense out of his mouth, which again shouldn't be a surprise, because what we're seeing is an emotional reaction by people who want to take guns away from everyday citizens and leave them only in the hands of government. And as I was going through this, I, I, found, I found this one very interesting uh, uh, interview. Now, uh, this was, I didn't, see, I didn't see who it was, but this was a, apparently a mother that was outside of the bowling alley when the, uh, when the shooting, when the murder took place. Uh, she was there with the, some of her children. And she's asked by a CNN host, uh, how, do you, how do you deal with this with children? Her response was interesting. What did, what did you tell your daughter who was with you? I, I, I just can't imagine as a mother how to make sense of it and to relay that to a child. Uh, I mean, we have open dialogue, you know. So we, we talked about it. She was definitely scared. She's like, you know, she started crying. She's like, this is a scary world. We live in mom. And I'm like, I know. And, um, you know, my older kids were talking about getting um, backpacks 
for uh, the ones, the bulletproof backpacks, uh, you know, because oh. it seems like there's always some sort of threat at the school. Um, you know, it's just starting to be stuff like that gets real when something so big happens. It's like, okay, yeah, it really could be our school next. Now, I, I want to deal with that. It could be our school next in, in, in a minute. But what do we see? This is a scary situation. I don't care if you're an adult or a child. To see that type of a thing is scary. And I, I can understand the um, the human We have to do something. with. I mean, maybe we can get bulletproof backpacks, which, you know, are, they're not technically bulletproof. They're bullet-resistant. Um, yeah, that may not be a half bad idea. If you're worried about this and it makes you feel better, as long as you recognize that there's limits to what these, these backpacks can do as far as stopping rounds. Um, but it's, it, 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 it may calm the nerves, but I want you to listen to to the next little piece that, uh, I, I really caught my attention. So we came home and she wanted to lock up right away. We locked up, locked up the windows, everything. I do have a firearm. So um, it made her feel better to know that I was carrying it around um, and had it all ready to go. The mother has a firearm. She had it on her and she was ready to go. And that made her daughter feel better. I think we lose that so often in these discussions. It it's it's not the fact that there is a gun that scares children. It's when bad people have guns to do bad things. Having a mother or a father or or some other relative or friend or guess what? Even a teacher or administrator that has a gun to help defend you should something bad happen should give kids peace of mind. You know, it's funny. I never asked my daughter um, how she felt about the fact that that I carry. Um, but I've also never seen her be afraid of me when I'm carrying. She's not that interested in guns. She, she knows how to be safe around them. She knows how to shoot if necessary, but she doesn't really care. But um, she's never been afraid. And the fact that when we go out and about, guess what? Dad's there dad's there dad's armed and oh yeah the family even has a a a phrase a an emergency phrase that lets all of us know we feel something bad's going to happen what do we do and they have instructions on what to do uh, specifically to protect them and i think we forget that part of this but uh, i want to get back to that question of this could happen at school because i think the mother ended uh, on a note that I think we all need to remember. Just, she was scared somebody was going to come into our home, and I told her, you gotta, you got to remember that odds could be so slim for that. So try not to worry so much, but I will do whatever I can to make you feel better in the meantime, too. You see, we see these big events, and they grab our attention. And we need to remember, thank God they are rare. Thank God they are rare. But you also have a mother that says, I understand. The odds are low, but don't worry so much. Not simply because they're not there, but I will do what I can to make you feel better in the meantime, to help put perspective in what's going on, to recognize Mama Bear is there to protect you. And the fact that the daughter feels safer because mom has a gun, in some cases, the very guns that the gun grabbers like Ms. Harris and 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 uh, 
uh, uh, Governor Newsom want to restrict access to are the very ones that make this girl feel better because mom is there to protect her. Now, I have to take a break, so we'll pick this up on the other side. Before I go, though, I want to remind you that uh, news really has to come from a lot of different places. Uh, A lot of the news events I've seen around this were very one-sided, very myopic, and again, very reflexive and emotional. So one of the places I recommend you go every day for news and information is AmericaOutloud.news. I do. I go there every day. But just as I'm sharing this information with you, you can do your part and share this information with others. You can find the stories, the, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, the things that really, really grab your attention, really show something that maybe you hadn't thought of before. And you can share them. And it's the sharing that I think makes a tremendous difference. Remember, not everybody's going to be doing the searching that you do. Sometimes you have to lead the horse to water before they'll take a drink. And by leading them to these other sources, getting them to open up and think, you do more than just share the news. You do more than just exercise your rights. You're helping to secure those blessings of liberty we claim to cherish so much. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD.
Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. I'm glad you could join me today. You know, we're, we're talking about reflexive reactions, and we're focusing right now on the, the murder in Maine. I, they call them mass shootings. You know, I go to a lot of mass shootings that don't involve killing anybody. This is a mass. I go to a gun range. There's mass shooting at a gun range, but it's, I like to use the term mass murder. But what's interesting is while some people are, are focusing and demonizing the weapon, um, there are a few people that are looking at the man who actually wielded the weapon. Uh, now, some of this data may be a little old because it's changing so fast. Here are a couple things we do know. Um, let's see, the, the gentleman, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to use his name right away. Uh, I generally don't like using the names of these people uh, because some of them like the attention. Uh, I don't know if that's the case here, so I'm going to kind of hold off, and I'll just refer to them as the murderer. Uh, the, the, the murderer uh, is, is, is known. Um, he's middle-aged, about 40 years old, and um, let's say he has a history of uh, mental health issues. He uh, spent the summer apparently... Um, he had been admitted to some unspecified mental health facility for two weeks during the summer. Uh, but he, according to law enforcement, uh, recently reported that uh, there were mental health issues. He said he was hearing voices. He made threats to shoot up the National Guard base in Saco, Maine. Um, and this was known to law enforcement and was, was out. He uh, is uh, um, in the uh, Army Reserve um, he was a trained firearms instructor. Um, his social media activity was, um, yeah, I guess kind of hit and miss as to whether or not there's something going on, but as of yet, there's no, we don't know what the motive is. We don't know why he did what he did. So uh, again, while some people are focusing on the weapon, the tool, and demonizing it, and everybody, by the way, who happens to own one and use it for for legal and legitimate purposes, well, they're tarring and painting with a broad brush. If we look at this person, we see a person with, again, they're having mental issues. I don't know if it's short-term, long-term. We don't have that type of detail. We also don't know if his time in the mental health facility was inpatient or outpatient, whether it was voluntary or not. And this is important because Maine has what they call a yellow flag law. And uh, if there was inpatient treatment, uh, I believe that would have triggered their yellow flag law. Now, the, I guess a yellow flag law is kind of similar to the red flag laws we keep hearing about. As I understand it, the, the main difference, no pun, right? The main difference is the yellow flag. In most red flag laws, it is a judge that determines the, if the person poses a danger to themselves or others. They are the sole decider as a judge. Under Maine's yellow flag law, there has to be a medical practitioner to examine the person to, as the first step in the process of uh, denying them legal access to guns. Now, again, I, I, this is interesting. This is actually the first I'm hearing of the yellow flag law was around this case. And okay, so you've got a medical professional, somebody who actually deals with the mental state of people saying, okay, is this person a danger to themselves or others or not as the first step? Then it gets, as I understand it, it gets reviewed by a judge as to whether or not the, um, a, a restraining order is eventually issued. Uh, and we don't know. 
Again, we don't know enough yet. That's why I'm saying I don't want to make a lot of conclusions because there's just so much we do not know about this person and about the situation. We don't know the motivation. Um, what we we're kind of stuck in limbo, and and I'm I'm loath to speculate because that let, tends to lead people down a road. You may find that it's wrong that you you're going down the wrong road, and it becomes very hard to change. Once you've started down that road, we have this emotional desire to keep going, um, whether the evidence continues to support it or not. Now, what I find interesting is we do not have information in the main murders because they're, they're, they're recent. There may be more information I haven't gotten to yet, but uh, the main reason we don't have this information is it's, it, we haven't had time to process it, right? We haven't had time to dig through the details in this, in this, and find out what was behind this, what was going on. Now, there isn't actually a recent mass murder where we have had time, but we've been denied access to the reasons why. That was a shooting in Nashville. And again, as you know, before the bodies were cold, before the bodies were taken out of the, out of the, the, the crime scene, we had people all over the country claiming we've got to have gun control laws. You got to have gun control laws. Very few people actually looked at the um, the process and said, "Hey, what we had here was a a person we believe." Well, I know they had some mental issues because they claimed to be transgender. Now, does that make them uh, homicidal, suicidal? No, I'm not saying just because someone is confused about their body makes them homicidal or suicidal. But we know there's something going on upstairs. Now, this person was kind enough to write a manifesto, to write out what they were thinking and why they were doing things. But this information has been hidden from the public. Now, again, part of me looks at this and saying, maybe there's a good reason for it. You know, do, is there information that um, shouldn't be public? Personal information, private information about other people, um, you know, but as a whole, the whole thing has been denied. Not We haven't had a redacted version or anything like that, which, of course, brings up a lot of questions as to why did this woman, who's the only way I'll, I'll identify the, the murder in Nashville, why did this woman enter in a school to start shooting it up? Why? We don't know. And what I find very interesting is both the, the local police department and the FBI seem to be working very hard to prevent us from knowing. And I wonder why. It's not proof that something's going on, but it makes me wonder. All the times we have all the manifestos from all the other uh, people who have committed such horrendous crimes, this one is being protected, being hidden, people being stonewalled. There's actually a lawsuit to gain access to it. And again, I can understand why the 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 person's parents doesn't doesn't want this exposed. I can I can even maybe see some reasons why the school. There might be information the school doesn't want us to know, but as a whole, I have to wonder why. But this brings up another interesting story, another part of a story, another variation of this story. Uh, again, in Tennessee, uh, uh, there was a county high school. There's, so there was a, a would-be juvenile murderer. They had a hit list. They had the date all planned out. And um, 
the the there were other children that uh, I don't say this. They were they were they had to testify against this uh, thwarted school shooting, this thwarted mass murder. Again, it didn't happen. The murder didn't happen. It was it was it was stopped beforehand. And there were high school students that had to testify. Classmates of this person had to testify. Imagine that was pretty traumatic as well. Now imagine you're you're one of those students, and you find out the person who, um, uh, the the person who was going to shoot up the school, that had a hit list and had planned to kill people. Is now back in school. Only sixteen months after his planned attempt to kill, commit mass murder in the high school. Actually, he was going to commit mass murder in the middle school. He's there joining them in high school. Now, I would imagine if you were a parent of one of these children, you'd be a, a bit upset. Well, you're taking the 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 kid who was planning to shoot up the middle school and you're letting them into the, the, the high school. So they, those parents complained. I imagine you would as well. Only to have the school district blame lawmakers in Nashville. Now, here, here's, here's their logic. See, apparently the school, the, the administrators of the school district blamed the fact that this young man was planning to shoot up the school on the fact that um, the Nashville legislature, which is controlled by the Republicans, didn't pass more restrictive gun legislation. So you have a student who threatened to shoot up a school, who is, who is now in the same school as the students who testified against him, and the problem is Nashville wouldn't pass more restrictive gun regulations? In response, uh, one of the mothers... Uh, who, by the way, whose child was on the hit list, said gun laws are not going to affect kids who are not supposed to have guns anyway. It's sad that our kids are being used as pawns. In other words, it's not a question of what this young man, I was a young man, did, what he threatened to do, what he's prepared to do, and what he could logically wish to retaliate for. It's about the fact that the Republicans are evil. Now, parents were directed to talk to the school system's outside attorney, which, according to the parents, that attorney's statements were pretty much the same as the school's. In other words, if they didn't like the fact that this attempted, this planned murderer, this attempted murderer was being let back into their school, they should take it up with the state capitol and lobby for gun regulations. That is being used as a pump. That is using uh, children and their lives. As a as political leverage, and the when the parents ask what gun regulations and and left wing activism have to do with a dangerous student being allowed to return to the school, they got nothing. They they could not get a straight answer. The closest they got was uh, um, the school superintendent saying Tennessee law does not authorize or allow expulsion of students from public schools. Tennessee law does allow suspension of students for a calendar year or up to 180 days for zero tolerance offenses. But what does that have to do with trying to get parents to lobby for your political agenda 
instead of actually saying, how are we going to protect the students? Now, again, I'm assuming since the student is coming back, um, the student was not uh, tried and convicted of uh, attempted murder or any other things. So that may be part of the problem as well. There may be, there's, I know there's more to the story because I'm only getting small snippets of it. And whether the parents have a, a, I would say the parents probably have a legitimate concern and that the school may have a, a legitimate reason to uh, not expel the student, not remove them from school. But they do have, I would say, a duty to put in place policies to help protect the students, the rest of the students. But the very idea that they're going to use this to um, lobby for gun control, to use it as, as, as extortion, to get parents to lobby for gun control, uh, that shows me this is, again, this is an activist school district with probably an activist school board that's apparently more interested in their political agenda than in the safety of their students. Now, what I find interesting is what if the student threat, what if the threat didn't involve a firearm? What if the student said, uh, you know, I've got a, I got a Civil War sword my daddy got, and I'm going to sharpen it up and go and kill everybody. What if it's, I'm going to steal daddy's pickup truck and load it up with, with, uh, uh, you know, fuel oil and fertilizer and run it into the school? What if, what if, what if, what if I'm just going to go on a rampage? Does that change anything? Would that make calls for gun control any more sane than, than, than they are now, than these? This is, this is not only an emotional reaction, it is a completely displaced emotional reaction. See, if you're talking about a, a, um, a, a question of how do you deal with gun violence, okay, your emotional reaction may not work, but at least it's related to what's going on. The only link you have here is this juvenile had planned to be a shooter. But because he was a shooter, now you're saying we're not going to protect the other students from revenge, from retribution, because he was a shooter? Oh, but if he just came in and decided he was going to uh, learn martial arts and just go all you know Bruce Lee on everybody, uh, then we do something about it. But guns, no, we can't. Go talk to your... Go talk to your state legislator. Now, I've talked a lot about the uh, the murders in Maine. I've got another topic I want to cover. Uh, I have a break to deal with. Before I do, though, if you're interested in the method I use for this analysis, in, in the process I use to, to again, find the, the truth, to make a, a rational argument, uh, I suggest you check out the boot camp for the Patriots program. The very first part of the video... I explain the, the four um, policies, the, the four uh, tools we use to help uh, understand an argument, whether we're making the argument, argument or listening to the argument. You can take it absolutely free. Just go to constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. Go down to the bottom of the page. You'll see, you know, take the boot camp and um, you can join in. And even if you don't join the patriots, the boot camp's free. Take it. Hopefully you'll learn something from it. Hopefully you'll you'll take away tools that will help you break down these arguments, listen to these arguments, and and construct arguments that make sense. 
that have some some rational, not only a rational basis to it, but are driven less by emotion and, and more by facts and data. I also hope you check out The Wellness Company. They've got some great products and some great services at, at what I think is a pretty fair deal. For example, they have spike support. If you're concerned about shedding, if you're concerned about long COVID, if you want to protect yourself from spike, well, guess what? They have something that'll help. Again, spike proteins, it's harmful. It's inflammatory. It's toxic. And if you're concerned about it, they have a product called Spike Support. It's designed to protect you from the spike protein, and whether you get it through the, through shedding or whether you get it through got it through the um, the vaccine, it, it's non-GMO. It's gluten free. It's vegetarian. It's manufactured here in the U.S. It's backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. Now, since you listen to America Out Loud, you can get twenty five percent off products and your first month membership if you use the code Out Loud. Find out more at americaoutloud.shop. But please, go to twc.health, check out their products, check out their membership uh, program, and if you tr- if you try them, use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. It'll get you 25% off your products and your first month of membership. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption improving digestion and your gut health available in vanilla and chocolate flavors elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code outloud global healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution Study. Today, we're looking at reflexive reactions. We spent the first couple segments talking about the murders in Maine, uh, the reactions both by the gun control activists who find every excuse to, you know, use children to promote their agenda, to the fact that we don't know the who, we know the who, but we don't so much know the what and the why of the, of the murders, so we need to be a little quiet. I also talked about other 
uh, situations where um, it seems that uh, uh, the, the schools using the, uh, the the fears of students for a political agenda. We've got that happening again. There have been plenty of demonstrations in colleges and universities. And listen, again, I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in the ability to the right to peaceably assemble. I believe if you are a pro-Palestinian, a pro-baby killer, a pro-rapist uh, uh, person, and you want to express that, be my guest. I want to know who you are. But, that, but we have to be careful how far, you know, when, when, when does a peaceful, a peaceable assembly become not peaceable? When does the right to, to, uh, to assemble become uh, the ability to attack without, without uh, reaction? So last week, uh, there's a, a, a small private college in uh, New York called uh, Cooper Union College. And uh, they had a demonstration that was, well, originally a demonstration was outside. It was in the lobby of the academic building. So there's a pro-Palestinian demonstration uh, held in the lobby. Um, and because of that, many of the Jewish students went to the library. They wanted to have shelter to protect themselves during the demonstration. Can't say that I blame them, not that they were apparently initially specific threats of violence, but they um, they 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 said let's let's you know uh, let's find some shelter. Well, apparently, when the protesters found out that the students were hiding in the library, they um, they forced their way past a security guard that was blocking the stairway, barged up the stairs, and started pounding to get entry into the library where these these uh, Jewish students were sheltering. So when you start pushing back past security guards and pounding on the doors to get entry, um, I don't think that's so much of a peaceful assembly anymore. No, not surprising. Um, the police were called for 40 minutes. Now, um, eventually the police arrived and, and there's, there's, I don't know why it took them 40 minutes. Other than the fact, it's New York City, man. Um, but uh, the the authorities eventually the police did arrive, and um, they they I believe they escorted the the students past the demonstration outside to to get away. Um, but uh, what's interesting is the the protesters that went past the security guard that were were pounding on the doors of the library to get any access to. The very people they were demonstrating against, or the, I say part of the group of people they were demonstrating against, the police didn't arrest anybody. Uh, nobody was always arrested for disorderly conduct. Why? Well, according to the police, no actual threats of violence were made. Well, you know, I'm sorry. If someone is pounding on my door to get in, especially somebody that was just demonstrating against me and my people, I think that's pretty much you can infer a threat of violence. Now, some of this is being inflamed just by again the emotional reaction of uh, of people and 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 anything they can use to reinforce their prejudice is not it happens that that, that that's humans we we do that without civilization we simply react on our emotions and when we blame another ethnic group. Um, we go after everyone in that ethnic group. In fact, I heard someone make a very interesting point that if you think about it, 
So all of these quote-unquote pro-Palestinian anti-Israel groups are blaming all Israel and all Jews for what they see as attacks on their homeland. They, they pay no attention to um, the fact that in this particular instance, um, Gaza shot first, that in this particular instance, Gaza did more than simply shoot at Israel. They um, not only they targeted civilians, they raped women in the streets, they chopped up families, they beheaded children, they've committed atrocities. They, they ignore that. They, they ignore, you know, they, they believe that Israel shouldn't be allowed to exist. So they're going to come in and get in the face and if not physically assault, at least threaten this group because they happen to be of the same religion. Isn't that the same nonsense we hear from CRT? That your race is more important than anything else? That you can be hated simply, be, you can be hated, you can be labeled simply because of your race. Sure, you're white. You may have done nothing wrong, but you're an oppressor because you were you're white. You're 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 you've done you've done you you're doing everything right. You're making a way in your life, but you're oppressed because you're black. How's that really any different than um you know, you're 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 is you're evil because you're you're Jewish or Israeli or Palestinian? We don't, we, we, this is a, uh, to me, this is more examples of the racist nature that is growing in the world. I don't think it's dissipating. It's growing in the world. And a lot of it's coming out of colleges and universities. Just as CRT and its offshoots and its parallels have come out of this colleges and universities, you have, you have universities across the country pledging allegiance to Palestine and Hamas. Uh, again, look at what they look at the evidence of what they've done, and you're pledging allegiance to them. And then, not surprisingly, student groups, professors, administrators are releasing support. They're releasing statements of support for Hamas. Look at what they've done, and 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 your support. They're holding anti-Israel protests. Now, one of these happened to have to happen at at uh, UC Davis, University of California, in in Davis were on um, October 18th, faculty hosted what they called an emergency teaching at the university. Now, they, they said they were supporting justice in Palestine. What kind of justice? Are they talking about rounding up the Hamas members that committed such atrocities and, and putting them on trial, sending them, extraditing them to Israel for trial? No. No, it was an anti-Semitic rant. Speakers went on anti-Semitic rants. They labeled Israel as racist. Wait a second. In Israel, Palestinians, Muslims, are on the Supreme Court, are serving their Knesset. Um, how is that racist? They claim genocidal. They haven't wiped out an, a race. It's actually them that are the, the recipients of genocidal attacks. But this is what happened in, in the schools. And I wonder, if you're a student, in the University of California um, system, what are you supposed to do when your teachers are, are, well, again, lying to you? See, it's one thing to take an emotional reaction without data. It's it's something quite different to simply ignore the data that contradicts your theory. Uh, Friedrich Bonhoeffer referred to that as stupidity. But it's growing. It shows just how... 
uh, how racism in this country, we, we, we talk about, uh, people talk about systemic racism, but it's not the systemic, ra- but what's there is not what people are talking about. It's the systemic racism of CRT. It's the systemic racism of anti-Semitism that is flourishing in our colleges and universities. In fact, Columbia University, New York City, they canceled a major fundraising event after some of their staff and students engaged in these anti-Israel, pro-Hamas activities and, and, and demonstrations on campus. Now, it's interesting that this happened only after um, demonstrations at Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania led to, well, donors saying, uh, we're not funding you anymore. We had, you know, both Harvard and UPenn had major donors uh, uh, postpone or cease donations because of these demonstrations, these anti-Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrations. Now, if you want to question how Israel and Palestine have 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 uh, um, engaged with each other. That's fine, but that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing are the young people, the young people that will be the next generation of leaders, of business people, of politicians, of lawyers, of judges, of doctors, coming out. With groups that are they're anti-Semitic. Now again, not all students, but there are significant groups with this emotional anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, the Palestinians can do nothing wrong attitude. I'd say they are the next generation. I would say that that exists today. I would say the previous generations that were steeped in this in this race hatred are the current attorneys and judges and doctors and politicians and 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 business leaders that many of them are the the social influencers of our time and what does that say about america's future what does it say that about america's future when a a uh an evil attack on a on a neighbor leads to such violent reactions here. Now, I'm not saying that uh, that Israel is pure as the wind driven snow and that Palestinians are evil, but that's exactly the opposite of what we're we're seeing in these demonstrations. That Israel is evil for existing. It's funny they they're often referred to as colonizers. People forget. Jews bought the land, the, the a large part of the land of Israel. They paid for it. They bought it. Through the 1930s and early 1940s, Jewish organizations were fundraising so they could buy land in Israel to one day have a homeland that was finally recognized by the United Nations and the United States, and almost immediately they were attacked by their neighbors. And during that, those battles, during those wars, they gained more land, kind of like pretty much every, the way every border has been drawn in human history. But they claim that it's the, the Israel are the, uh, are the colonizers. They haven't colonized anything. They bought land. They, they retaliated from an attack and so gained more land. And then they took 
Gaza and said, fine, we will pull all of our people out. We pulled all of our, our stuff out. We will leave you the, the infrastructure. We will leave you everything there. Go have fun. It's yours. Do with it as you wish. And the first thing the Palestinians in Gaza did was uh, elect a terrorist group to govern them and start shooting at their neighbors. And you wonder why they put walls on their border? Why Israel puts walls on their border? So just as these emotional reactions to gun violence leads to quote-unquote solutions that are ineffective and, and actually make things worse in many cases, these emotional reactions to the people who are committing the crimes in the Middle East, the, the emotional reaction is, is preventing us from coming to an actual solution because you won't take time to stop and think about what happened. You know, it's funny, I keep hearing people calling for a ceasefire. Okay, if, if I were, if I had any influence over Israel, here'd be my response. We'll have a ceasefire when Hamas turns over the, uh, the people who perpetrated the, the, the atrocities against our people to Israel for, uh, um, uh, to be charged and tried in court. Then we can have a ceasefire. As long as you keep shooting at us, we'll shoot back. As long as you keep attacking us, we'll attack back. But if you want a ceasefire, the first thing you have to do, since your people came across and murdered our people, is you have to turn them over to be tried in a court of justice. I hope, I, I, do I expect that to happen? No. I don't think anybody in Israel listens to me, much less this, this, this program. But to me, that would be a start into a more rational response than what we've seen on either side of this debate in many cases. The emotional response against Israel, their emotional response against Palestine, until we stop reacting based on our emotions and our own prejudices, start looking at facts, looking at the, and dealing with them, not pretending our past history doesn't exist, but not letting it rule today. I don't think we're ever going to, that we will never have peace in the Middle East until both sides agree that the other's allowed to exist. We will not have peace among uh, the, the gun groups and the gun grabbers in the United States until they both recognize you have a right to own a gun, you have a right to not own a gun but you don't have a right to tell the other how to live their life. And we will not get to the resolution of gun violence until we focus more on the violence than the gun. Now, that's my opinion. You may agree with it. You may disagree with it. But I think mine is based on pretty solid facts and data. And based on that, I hope you come back and join us here at the Constitution Study. We're on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. All of our shows go to a podcast generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio, so you can listen to them on your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Leave the episode's ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But I'm going to ask you to do more than simply 
sign up. I'm going to ask you to actually share the links, share the episodes, share the podcast episodes. Show people that there is another way, that the Constitution can help all of us protect our rights, that we can enjoy these blessings of liberty that were purchased with blood and, and treasure. But it only works if you help. I can only spread these so far. I need your help, so take those links, share them out. Help us as we try to share the blessings of liberty to everyone in this great country. From sea to shining sea.